TalkZone.com. TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. All right, we welcome you to hour number two of Two Guys and a Mic here on the TalkZone.com. Normally, we're every Monday through Friday, one hour a day. Today? Thursdays, Thursdays only. We go two hours. Jack Washer, head of the University of Missouri, joining us. Big Dog, my normal co-host via the phone. And uh, we're still trying to get over the death of Rue McClanahan. And I, Big Dog, am still, uh, uh, this one knocked me off my socks. And I still have not been able to get to beat the standing nine count, if you will, the divorce, the separation of Al and Tipper Gore. Shocking, absolutely stunning. No, I really don't need to talk about him, please, Coach. Well, I was hoping so you The man could... has done enough to bore the rest of America. <laughs> I mean, if he really wants to have somebody actually like him and pay attention to him, you got to find out that like uh, he left Tipper I'm... for like a dominatrix or something serious. <laughs> I'm a fan of Al Gore, thank you very much. Big fan of Tipper's, and I, I still think the whole global warming thing first started when they had that tumultuous kiss at the start or the uh, end of the speech at the Democratic National Convention. Yeah, if that's what you believe, Coach, that was, go uh, ahead and run with that. But uh, we've uh, had uh, global warming around since like 1880. Well, okay. that, that one did it for me. Very, very shocked. But I'll get over it. I'm okay. Thank you very much. I can see you're all broken up about it. Yeah, I don't know right. how I can get past it. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. Phone lines are open. Jack Washer, uh, volleyball player, golf. Uh, by the way, I apologize. Your volleyball team apparently taking an early exit out of the state finals. I know that had to stink. Yeah, it wasn't fun, but, you know, we played a team that beat us mm-hmm. twice earlier. And, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but, you know. We'll get over so it. So the old axiom, beat a three time, uh, beat a team, a good team three times twice. Yeah, they had what our What the hell number. am I talking about? Beat a good team three times in a row came to uh, bite you in the backside. Yeah, they yeah. had our number. But Big Dog, know. you'll be very proud of uh, JW here because he's in studio on the webcast and he's proudly sporting a recently washed Chicago Cub jersey. He is, in fact, a Cub fan along with yourself. Talk to J-Dub a little bit about your beloved Cub. Oh, that's uh, first of all, I'm impressed that you can you can get over a, a, a loss in high school so quickly because I got something that's chapping my butt for 21 years. That I was going to bring up here in a minute, but I thought you were uh, impressed because his T-shirt was actually washed. Now, <laughs> now, do you have parents that are Cubs fans? Uh, yeah, both my parents are diehard Cubs fans, and I'm assuming they love you. But they made a mistake by letting <laughs> you be a Cubs fan. I, I still am upset at my dad for letting me do it. You know, 37 years ago. Yeah. No. Um. My mom said the first game she went to, uh, she was on the L and she took, she, one of her best, or one of her, uh, family friends took her and, uh, she, they're on the L and they're like, what, and someone had a Sox jersey and I was like, what, what team is that? What's the Sox? Like, oh, that's the other team in Chicago. I was like, why don't we go there? Sally, that's something you can be proud to say. You've never been to a Sox game and, <laughs> wow. uh, she's been a Cub fan ever is since. She a, is she a Sox hater? She doesn't hate the Sox, okay, that's cool. but you know that's she just cool. doesn't support them. Yeah, and your mom, by the way, uh, not not some mommy come lately baseball fan. I mean, she is a legit sports fan. Oh yeah, definitely, and yeah. that's something you can enjoy as a yeah. son. Big dog, know. good day for the Cubs yesterday. They didn't leave any runners stranded on base. They did not fail to get a runner in from third. 
with less than one out. They did not go to the bullpen and have it explode on them. All those things that have been problems came true yesterday. The fact that it was a rain out as a sidelight, but overall a pretty good day yesterday for your Cub. This is definitely the best day the Cubs have had in about <laughs> since Saturday when Carlos Silva pitched against the Cardinals. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. The Cubs always lose the same weight because they didn't hit enough. And then there's one big at bat with either a reliever or started at the game too long that blows the form at the end. But the White Sox, they always figure out a new way to lose, coach. Oof. Either, either they lose, uh, two to nothing because they couldn't scratch out a hit all game mm-hmm. or, or they give out like 19 hits to the Rangers or they yeah. give up nine runs for the second consecutive game to the Rangers. Yeah, it's been a, been, it, a, it, been a rough season for the White Sox. Let's not take out our Cub frustration. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, there's two teams. I'm trying to give them equal billing. Well, the Cubs lose the same way every time. At least the, the White Sox, at least they're exciting enough to make the theatrics out of it. You don't know how they're going to lose. Our producer, David Olson, very, very strict schedule. It says here on the schedule from 11.04 to 11.11, we talk Chicago Cub baseball. I'm trying to follow the script, my friend. We'll get to the White Sox in just a few minutes. Uh, Well, the Chicago Cubs, quite simply, what they need to do is try to score more than four runs in a ball game, something that they haven't done since April. I mean, not April, since, like, it's uh, May. Well, they... It's about it's about 15 games they haven't scored more than four runs. So. And then and then they'll get like one game where they score like nine runs. But yeah, uh, uh, Jack, uh, from a, a young man's perspective, your thoughts? You are not hopefully jaded enough to be as. And that's not even fair to say you're negative because Big Dog, you are for the most part a pretty positive Cub fan. You don't fall in that mode. But uh, from the uh, young high school, soon to be college fan standpoint, your thoughts on this year's beloved Cub? But I mean, you look you look at the stats of the Cubs, and you know. They're like fifth in the league in hitting. Their their average is top notch. You know, their starting ERA, top notch. You know, I, I can't say one bad thing about the starters except for Carlos O'Brien, but that's another story. Um, but you look at it, you know, the bullpen, I've, I've always hated the Cubs bullpen. I feel they should just have five starters pitch and just throw their arms out during the year. You know, and then you have the two guys who aren't hitting for the Cubs, Derek Lee, Aramis Ramirez, they're in the middle of the order. They're right when everything happens, and they're not hitting, and that is kind of being a damper on the season. And I feel that's why they're not doing well. And it, you're absolutely right, Jack, because if you think about this, they're, they're relievers. I thought it was going to be the worst relievers in all of baseball. I, I've always had confidence in Marmol. But their relievers have really not been the problem this year, especially considering how bad we thought they were going to be. And if somebody would have told you that Fontenot was actually going to hit this year, Marlon Bird and Colvin and Fukudomi and Soriano were actually going to produce the way that we expect them to produce. You would say, you know what, this this team, and all of a sudden Carlos Silva wouldn't have lost the game. I would have legitimately thought this team was playing over 600 baseball and would be running away with uh, with the National League Central. Yeah. All that stuff is happening, but the fact that they have no clutch pitching if, if whatsoever – and zero clutch hitting and no production from their corners. And that, that'll show you those three little things are enough to take 10 wins off of the season. And they, um, legitimately, would you have thought that Bird, Fukudome, Soriano, Fontenot, uh, Colvin would all be hitting the way they are right now? Terrio has produced all season long besides the fact that he never walked. Yeah, I mean, would, would, I mean, would, did you think all that was going to happen, Jack? I honestly did not think that would happen. You know, Carlos Silva, I think, I remember. Me and me and my assistant volleyball coach, probably the biggest volley, or biggest Cubs fans on the team, and we, you know, I, I think I remember his like first start in spring training. I know it doesn't mean anything, but he got chased for like eight runs. I'm like, oh god, this guy is already a waste of money. And then 
seven and zero later, I'm like, I love this guy, and uh, but you know, and like Marlon, I'm probably the biggest Marlon Bird fan. I love he, the way he plays the game. You know, he hustles, smiles. Yeah. He, he doesn't, doesn't whine about the fans, i.e. Milton Brand, Milton Bradley, who's I believe not doing well in uh, Seattle, so that was a good exchange him for Carlos. He is Selva. he is doing well in his therapy the past yes, two weeks. Oh, by, by the way, ever since you know, for the first time in his whole major league career, he came out and was like, "Maybe I'm the problem." And since he's come <laughs> back from his therapy, uh, by the way, therapist and the rapist are spelled exactly the same way. Uh, but he he actually has been hit in the last week. But it's, it's still a good deal without a doubt because he never would have done that in Chicago. So, oh yeah, definitely. But you know, it just you know, you know they they need some clutch hitting. You know, I mean, I, you know, when I was working over at WGN Radio, I met uh, Cubs owner Tom Ricketts, and uh, you know, we weren't really, you know, I met him under, you know, he was trying to pass us, you know, pass something else, or pass a sign for uh, to go up behind Wrigley Field. But uh, the first question he got asked by the editorial committee at uh, the Chicago Tribune was, "Yeah, do you you need a lot more clutch hitting, and why haven't you gotten it?" and he just kind of stood there and laughed, and you know, the funny thing after that is you know, Cubs got like four wins in a row, three of them coming in like the late innings, and so I thought that was kind of funny. But you know, just consistently, you know, Cubs are down two one. They need a big, you know, big hit, you know, a big inning from their relief staff and or pitching staff, and it just doesn't happen, and it it frustrates me, you know, that Lou Pinella keeps putting in the same guys that blow the lead over and over again, and I'm like, what, just. Put someone else and you know have another guy blow it. You know, you know you put in John Grabo every you know third day wow. or every day. I cry when he goes in because I'm like, when are you gonna pull him? You know after seven he... big dog. What's the contract for Johnny Gray? And I don't blame John Grabo because he's it's trying. Not, it's but... not very high, coach. He's he's not one of the higher paid guys. Oh, in the I don't know offense. about that. I thought they just had a fairly high contract for him. Um, you know me. I'm a guy that tries to avoid the financial part of the game as much as possible, but I think I really uh, agree. He's getting overpaid, but I, he might be one of the higher guys paid yeah. guys in the Cubs bullpen for the simple fact that everybody in their bullpen has not gotten a salary arbitration yet. So he might be he might be the highest paid guy in their bullpen. So that I guess that would be an issue. Yeah. But the only thing they've got, like, Marmol has been dominant this year. The saves that he's blown have been eighth inning saves when he's come in and cleaning up anybody else's garbage. So that really hasn't been an issue. Sean Marshall all of a sudden has been a shining star. Everybody else in that bullpen has pitched horrible in the clutch, especially mm-hmm. grab ass, Grabo, excuse me, Grabo, <laughs> his name is. But, oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> it, I feel, it, I feel bad been, for the guy because, you know, he's, he's a good guy and he's trying, but he's completely lost. And I also feel bad. For Jim Hendry and new owner Tom Ricketts, because you're dishing out millions and millions of dollars to yet another player who is completely, completely lost. And I guess that's the dangers of current professional sports. That's what you get. And, you know, and it, it isn't just him. Because if you look around the Cubs roster, the guys that are getting paid, it, Marlon Bird getting paid like four and a half, five million years, that's a lot of money, guys. That's, uh, let's not like say it isn't. But if you think about it, there's there's at least 12 other guys on the roster getting paid more than this guy, and so far he's been the Cubs' top performer all the way around. Can I read so uh, real quick? I've got up from the uh, Coach's Corner on our Facebook page, which is, people want to check it out, www.2guysmike.com. Big Dog, I know you're a regular visitor to the uh, website, and we have a little Coach's Corner on there that I put up. and um, I had 10 early observations on the baseball season, number five. We always want our pro athletes to play hard. 
and at least look like they're having fun and appreciate being a pro athlete. But so few actually do. But watch new Cub center fielder Marlon Burt. Watch him between innings. Watch him before the game, after the game, between pitches, pretty much anything he does on the field or in the dugout. Here is a ball player who appears to really enjoy playing. He enjoys being with his teammates. The guy is just plain having fun. He looks like the spirited little league player, just happy to be playing. It is refreshing to see indeed. He hustles and produces and hopefully can help elevate the play of the teammates over the course of the season. That was put up there about a month and a half ago after watching Marlon Bird play and, uh, Forgetting about his batting average or his RBI, it's refreshing to see that kind of attitude. Just a natural, not forced, natural joy of the game. Jack, that pose reminded me of sitting around Matt Fermato's English class when I was in high school listening to William Shakespeare bead right yeah. now. Pretty good pros, huh? Really. See, that, was, that was phenomenal. That's my third. If the baseball commission thing does not go, and if I do not uh, you know, make state comptroller on route to becoming the Illinois state governor, I might head into authorship poetry or somewhere in the English field, Big Dog. That's my third career. By the way, if you do end up being Illinois State Governor after yes. Comptroller, I will visit you in prison, but they won't be conjugal. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a positive. Thank uh, you very much. Well, yeah, it will be, trust me. Oh, good. Don't knock my pros, my friend. I can, I can, I can handle the pen pretty well. Well, uh, you know what? I'm filming another episode of Black and Blue City yes. tomorrow. And uh, if you can get out there, Jack, I'd really appreciate it. Have your mom come out there. Well, you got a lot of uh, you got a lot of there. a lot of young Jack Washer fans out there that are not familiar with Black and Blue City. Uh, real quick, uh, put a plug in. Uh, basically, it is a, a television show that's going to be on WCIU. Use the U. That one. The U. The U. And it's basically Chet Topic as the moderator and Matt Benson as the Chicago White Sox fan, Black part, and Joel Redwanski as the blue part. So obviously, I'm mm-hmm. a Cub fan and. And we go back and forth, and um, Coach, you know, I have to play the eternal optimist because the last thing I want is to tell everybody the Cubs are horrible, the stocks are horrible, let's move on with the season, and then nobody tunes in next week because they think there's no reason to watch the show <laughs> besides me making fun of everybody. Yeah. So I, I, I watched your most recent one. ripping the White Sox, so I have to I, admit. I did tune in. You do a very good job, and uh, you are very – it was at Rocky's Bar, nice crowd in there, very uh, – you are very photogenic. Yeah, the, he's got – Big Dog's got the bald head. The shaved head, but he's but he had the blue cub stocking on, and then the sunglasses. It was quite a look, especially inside at Rockies. It was quite nice. Uh, I had sunglasses on that day. Well, there's there's this know. one producer. She's she's kind of attractive. She's always giving me sunglasses. She's like, oh, you look so good in sunglasses. So she's always giving me the sunglasses as she flirts with me. <laughs> that actually that's that's why I usually roll with that. Oh, so I am going to go with a different hat every single show to try to see if I could uh, you know try to start like some type of. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can hopefully get like Nike to start yep. giving me like cub hats to wear. I know? will remember your uh, host and the creator of that program, Chet Kopic. I don't know if you're familiar with Chet, uh, Jack. Long time, long time Chicago He's sports. He's the godfather of American sports radio, Jack. So if you wanted to get into yeah. radio, you definitely want to know this guy's history. Yeah, it's right. pretty good. Yeah, slightly, probably slightly past his prime, but he's definitely a good guy to know. But I remember uh, we had a, him on our. Coach, had, he's a trendsetter. I would not call him past his prime whatsoever. I apologize, Chet, if you're listening. Um, by the way, a new true grad. Yeah, new true yep. regret. Um, but we had him on our old radio show, and we were doing a thing where we'd ask each of our guests at the end of the scintillating interview, we'd ask him uh, boxers or briefs. So we asked Chet, "What do you wear, boxers or briefs?" And Chet uh, said he wears briefs. He says because he would, when he wears boxers, he feels a little bit like a candle in the wind. Thank you very much. All right. And then it was also our last show ever, Jack and. 
He basically no. gave us a promo that we could have used for the next 10 years. The problem was that. All right. Very, very quickly. 888-463-674 as we get off the Cubs here. i got to ask uh, Young Jack about Young Starlin Castro. 20 years old, shortstop. I think this guy's got the goods. Uh, your thoughts on him after watching him for a couple of weeks? Well, first of all, I look older than him, so he's got to work on that. You know, I, th- I feel that's the only thing he really needs to work on. But, you know... This guy, ever since he came up, I've been a huge fan. You know, yep. I think he had what six RBIs his first game. I mean, you don't you don't try to look too far into that, but if you can come and do that on your major league debut, when everyone knows that you got to be the you're you're the savior of this team, you know, you're gonna bring us our first World Series in a hundred some odd years. I don't even like to say the number, but you know, and you know he's kind of you know he's kind of blending in now. You know, that everyday shortstop, you gotta killer arm you know he had about three years in his first four games yeah. i feel those were the jitters but you know ever since then he's been settling in and just the throws he can make you know from the outfield and then just gun at the first base and not, I, not, not only a great arm though but he plays defense with style yeah and you know, you know with so he's, he's got a very unique does he not approach to his defense of confident yeah unbelievably confident for a Barely 20 years old. He's had his 20th birthday like a month ago. Yeah, really. I mean, but he's got, uh, he's not necessarily fundamentally perfect. No, but. Boy, he's got style out there. In yeah, and you know, that's fun to watch, you know, especially yeah. for a Cubs fan. You know, you need someone like that. You know, Terrio, Terrio was a great shortstop. You know, he didn't really have the arm, but. Underrated. Great, great defender, you know. Yep. You know, I, I don't know why he's not hitting. I don't know why maybe second base is being, is not good for him, but you know. Uh, but you know, so you're saying he stopped hitting when he got switched over to second. You look at the stats, and you know, he, it's true. It's true. Yeah, same thing with Gordon Beckham, big dog. You're a put man who uh, played baseball at the highest level, except junior high, high school, or pro. Uh, relate to us a little bit the position switch. When a guy changes positions, it seems like it shouldn't affect their hitting, but oftentimes it does. Maybe it's just the, the so much extra work that you have to put in learning the new position, kind of throws you off your offensive game. Possibly it didn't. You know, that hasn't always been the case with some people, but, you know, you go through the history. Keith Moreland was a right fielder who played third base every once in a while. They made him the everyday third baseman in 87, and he ended up being good defensively. And a career like 295 hitter in backhand, Jack, that meant you could really hit. It, is, it wasn't the steroid era. I mean, and all of a sudden, the guy was hitting buck fifty. He was having the same season Aramis Ramirez was having two months into the season. Mm-hmm. So uh, he isn't the first one. Gordon Beckham isn't the first one. I Hopefully, Terrio can turn it around because I've, I've always thought the guy should be the Cubs' second baseman. I, how long have I been saying this, Coach? Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, eventually one day he's going to be a really good second baseman for the Cubs. And, and take a couple walks. You could hit with two strikes. That's what he has to learn how to do is hit with two strikes. Take some pitches. He could be a legitimate number two hitter mm-hmm. and uh, second baseman for the Cubs. I am not giving up on Terrio after just a little bit of a slow start. I'm just, I'm just, I think it's the transition, and it'll all work out for him. And, and when you go to Castro, the, the reason why I truly believe in Castro, it isn't the six RBI day that he, he came in with, which was awesome. You know, hitting a three-run home run in his first at bat, was the fact that after he had those four errors in the three games, he didn't. Yep. He, you know, you're going to get knocked down. It's whether you get back up because throughout a major league baseball career. Just like an umpire, Jim Joyce can have to bounce back and try to call good games behind home plate now because he's actually behind home plate for Detroit today. But you have to be able to bounce back. You know, Rex Grossman, hey, look, at he finally is a starter and he's healthy. The first six games he was 6-0, and the next thing you know he got put on his head against the Miami Dolphins, and he was horrible the rest of the season. 
you need the type of athlete that after they play badly can get back up and re- keep their confidence and realize that there's a reason why they're there. That kid has it. And that's, that's to me, the most exciting thing about the kid is that he, after playing horribly, he has played well after that. It is easy enough to smile when life flows along like a song, but the man worthwhile is the man who can smile when everything else goes dead wrong. <laughs> Starlin Castro has proven that. All right, real quick, Jack, before we uh, move on, your prediction as we look ahead for the Cub when we get you back in the studio a week before you head to the University of Missouri in mid-August. Where yeah. will the beloved Cub be? Try to be honest and don't let your mom and yours love for the Cub get in the way. Yeah, I feel they'll be uh, in second place. I feel the Reds will be. Second? I feel the Reds will, you know, implode and those they'll be the Reds that they normally are and get towards the bottom of the <laughs> – even with this – Young, a role this Chapman coming up, but you know, I feel the Cubs will be in second place behind the Cardinals, and I feel they're going to need to make one move, get maybe a pitcher, maybe even a another hitter who can spark this team because you know everything they tried with hitters, you know, just doesn't seem to work. But you know, you know, in 2003 they made the move with Ramos Ramirez, and then personally my favorite Cub ever for four months, uh, Kenny Lofton, you know. Uh, Feel they might just have to bring in one of those guys who just gets on every time. And you know. rumor is, big dog, the Cubs have offered Chad Tracy to the Phillies for Roy Halladay. That could be the answer. <laughs> yeah, that, that would definitely be the answer. And yeah. the, like, hopefully, I'm not Phillies sure what the question is, but that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. You're right, Jack. But who? They, what position? Like, what position are they going to bench somebody at? Are exactly. they going to bench? Do they have enough way to bench uh, to bench uh, Aramis Ramirez? Are they, they going to bench Derek Lee? You know. Because they have enough pop in the outfield. I would love to add something. Thank you, somebody better. I would love it. But, like, what position would they trade for? That's the issue. Either the Cubs are going to sell off parts and call it a season, or their move is for, like, a a dominant reliever. I mean, that's to me, that's, like, the only options that they're going at right now because you're giving $28 to your corner infielders, and they're not going to be able to move those guys and get a legitimate major league piece back. They would have to get minor leaguers because, if you're trading those guys, it's to a team that's in contention. Yeah, you very, see where I'm going yeah. at with that? Yeah, very. Yeah, I I kind of see where you're going with that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I mean, well, you know, you see Lou Pinnell, I mean, I think it was uh, last game they played. He was not afraid. He he benched pretty much every starter. He benched Lee, benched Ramirez, benched Soto, uh, benched Terrio. You know, you look at the lineup, you're like. Wow, this is a very different Cubs lineup. You know, same result, but you know, <laughs> uh, Lou, Lou Pinelli, he's not he's not afraid to you know, you know, uh, bench you know you know some of his stars. You know, Derek Lee or Ramos Ramirez, especially Ramirez since he's hitting still a buck fifty and doesn't look to see. I'm not sure if Lou will be able to. Well, the Cubs have a day off today, right? They got rained out yeah. yesterday. I think they're off today, which is good because I think with the death of Rube McClanahan, I'm not sure Lou Pinello. Would have been in, and uh, he might have been in the dugout, Joel, but I don't think he would have been in full function, if you know what I mean. Well, you know what? He hasn't, I don't think he shaved in three months. Yeah, well, either did Rue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is with Lou and the uh, the Razor Boy? Just, uh, it, I think it's it, the late it, nights. It's, just, it's a little tough for him. Yeah, I think he's been out a little bit too much, to be quite honest with you. Because uh-huh. every single day his arms get a little bit skinnier and his belly gets a little bit fatter. <laughs> Have you noticed that? He's the man the... looks like uh, like, <laughs> looks like a barrel on stilts with a couple twigs hanging out of it. You are right. He's not a fat man, but he does have one of the better beer bellies that we've seen. The old sunken chest, thin arms, and beer bellies. It's not a good look, particularly. It's one of the best beer bellies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> 
if you talk shape and size and uh, and you know roundness and ex- if you analyze beer bellies, it's it's top ten. There's no question about it. <sighs> All right, can we move on from the Cub? Please. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, I did have one other note I put. I, I, my note here said, uh, anytime Giovanni Soto wants to become the Cub catcher of the future is okay with me. Remember two years ago? It was like, Rookie, oh, good. Yeah. We've got a catcher. Defense, hitting, and handling of pitchers, and, and the way he went out and talked to pitchers a rookie, this guy's our catcher for the next 10 years. Ever since we said that, he has looked like our catcher for the next two months. <laughs> 10 days. All right. Uh. Bring on Koye Hill. 888-463-6748, TalkZone.com. Two guys that are Mike. Any Jack Washer fans out there, you're tuned into the program. You want to check in and uh, ask any questions to Jack, call him on any embarrassing moments. We're right here for you. You can also email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. M-I-C in the number two. Mike2Guys, AOL.com. We do the show every Monday through Friday, one hour a day, 10 until 11. Today we're on an extended hour. Real quick, we don't want to spend a lot of time, guys, on the White Sox, but they did lose yesterday, uh, nine to five. Gavin Floyd with another bad pitching performance. Remember at the start of the year, we were talking. I was one of them, Jack Washer, that uh, said the White Sox might have the best starting pitching in all of baseball. It has not panned out. No, not at all. You know, I saw. You know, I had, I had mono for about the first two weeks of uh, the baseball season, and I saw the Mark Burley. Gem of the century between his legs, and you know, opening I've, day. And I always feel every time Mark Burley does something good, he end up he ends up having a very bad year. You know, the perfect game, everyone's like, "Wow, you threw a perfect game." Mm-hmm. This year it was probably about eight or nine for the rest of the year, and but did not big, have a big good dog. Year. It, it's it's part of you know you can say it's skill and stuff. There's a lot of unpredictability in baseball. The White Sox set it up. Where everything looked pretty good, you couldn't blame them for thinking, uh, you know, that they had great starting pitching and that that lineup would carry them to at least contention. Peavy, Burley, Danks, Gavin Floyd, Freddie Garcia—it just uh, thus far has exploded in their face. Bad luck, if nothing else. Yeah, well, I don't think it's just bad luck. I think it's the fact that their general manager has a head the size of the upper deck of U.S. Well, but, Field. But you, so you argued with the picking up of Jake Peavy to put the Sox theoretically no, 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 over no, the no, top. Coach, coach. Yes. Part of a reason what a general manager is not supposed to add pressure to a team. When he comes out and says that this team is 100% set, I've done my job, uh, this is the best pitching staff in baseball, he said it, coach. Okay. Forget, forget about the fact that you predicted it and I felt like it and I agreed with you. The fact of the matter is he came out and said it. General managers aren't, general managers are supposed to yeah. shut up. They're supposed to not be heard all year long. Well, I'll okay. agree with you on that. Maybe he should have said it, but he did it. He put together what should have been, and maybe still will be, let's not give up. He put together a very good, so don't overrate what he said. He put together a great pitching staff, roll of the dice. So far he's rolled four ones and one six. Johnny Danks. Well, it's really been, it's been bad, Coach. It's been exactly, that's exactly what has happened for him because they've had one pitcher actually produce so far this year. And, and you know who their second best pitcher's been? It's been Freddie Garcia. I yep. know his ERA might not show it, but he's very much Randy Wells like, where he gives you four really, really, really good starts, and your team should win all those ball games. And then on the fifth start, you're like, "What mm-hmm. the heck was that? That was horrible." I'll be more than happy to take that because you should win. If you win four out of every five games, I don't care if you got blown out in one of them. If you win four ball games out of five, you're going to end up having a pretty decent record over mm-hmm. a course of a season. So. 
Uh, it's pretty sad right now, Freddie Garcia. Freddie Garcia is showing something that maybe Gap and Floyd needs, where mm-hmm. he's pitching with brains and a set, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll ask Jack very quickly on his thoughts on the White Sox, but we have a note here given to us by his mom, Joel, and it uh, says uh, that Jack is limited to 38 words or less on the <laughs> Chicago White Sox. Strict instructions from Cub fan mom. But <laughs> go ahead, your thoughts on the sock. You know, I. Not really a big fan of the Sox, but you know. 32 words left. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I feel they just underperformed and, you know, just nothing seems to be going right. I mean, they have two good hitters and that's about it. You know, their star of the future, Gordon Beckham, he's hitting about as good as the Ramos Ramirez right now, which is not saying much. And, you know, Carlos Quinn, probably my favorite Sox just because he went to Stanford University, which is where my dad attended. Um, and I've watched him blossom, his career blossom. He's just not performing right now. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, they need more than two hitters to win a ball game. Mm-hmm. And some but if you pitching. were the uh, GM right now, as Joel said, the guy with the big head, would you stick with it another month, or is it time to uh, start the tick, tick, tick? Well, first I would get rid of your manager, your, your Ozzie Guillen. You know, Ozzie I, gone? I, I feel, I feel gone. He, too much of a distraction for that team, you know. I mean, it seems like every time they're in the media – He's always the one. He's always the one. Yeah, to but talk keep about. in mind, if Ozzy's not there, then they have to actually talk about the team. True, true. That is that is a so good point. So to some extent, he serves as a, a buffer. He does, but you know, I feel he's just in the end, he's too much of a distraction okay. for that team. So. All right, there it is. A little over thirty-eight words, Joel, but that's a pretty good summary. Uh, you can you can hear the lack of excitement in uh, Jack's voice, and that's pretty much the White Sox so far. I feel bad for him, but they're very milk toast at this point. Yeah, well, it's, they're they're themselves to blame. I mean, they can't hit it all in the clutch. It, they're 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 very cub like last year in the sense that they'll, they'll score you know five six runs one ball game. But the problem is their pitching staff goes up nine or ten the day that they do score some runs. It's it, it's really confounding when you watch that team. Is they figure out a new way to lose every single day. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna take a quick quick break. We'll talk a little more baseball. Also, when we get back. Uh, we're going to bring up some of the other side topics. We're going to test uh, young Jack Washer's knowledge of a French Open, of a World Cup, of a Bears minicamp, of a College World Series. Titillating tidbits, news and notes. And again, today's show being dedicated to Rue McClanahan passing away at the tender age of 70, 76, says David Olson. Well, not so tender. However it is, we love Rue McClanahan.
lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. And we should add today, sitting in via the webcast, you can check him out there. He's young, he's single, and he's, we hopefully, hope that he is uh, still very much eligible. Jack Washer headed to the University of Missouri. No females got you wrapped up yet. For the most part, you are eligible. Mm-hmm. All right. Anybody interested in uh, Jack, you can email us. We will siphon out some of the uh, less desirable ones, and we'll maybe send you the top ten. How's that? <laughs> All right. You can email us at no pictures, please, just descriptions. Mike? Two guys, because Jack does not care about uh, appearance. No. It's all about personality yeah. and quality of character. Yeah, definitely. Of course, if your name is Earl, that could be a problem. We prefer a female. Uh, Mike, two guys at AOL.com. M-I-C in the number two. Mike, two guys, AOL.com. Real quick before we uh, wrap it up with Stanley Cup hockey, and we'll uh, get in the NBA Finals, too, just uh, very quickly. Big dog, we got the French Open going on. Uh, while you were waxing poetic on the Chicago Cubs, I was looking up at the screen distracted by young Samantha Stoser as she was playing Novak Jerkovic in the semifinals of the women. So if I didn't pay attention to you, it was because uh, Stephanie Stoser was quite uh, distracting, shall we say. Sorry about that. Did we lose the big dog? Coach, oh. here's this. If, if you want me to say something intelligent about the French Open, yes, it's not going to happen. There's way too much going on in my life right mm-hmm. now. I can really care less about that right. particular Well, there, there was so, a particularly intelligent co-host who uh, picked a surprise potential winner at the start of the French Open. You remember who that host was? Yeah, it was you. You picked Soderling, didn't you? Robin Soderling. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. Knocked, that's a pretty impressive, Coach. Knocked off, uh, not Nadal, he knocked Red off a Federer. Federer, yeah. Yeah, you following the French Open yeah, a little bit? Yeah. All right. So, Nadal's in the semifinals. Nadal, yeah. He's truly terrific in my opinion mm-hmm. now are he and Soderling opposite so I they, they so, meet yeah because Federer and, and Nadal were okay. opposite so. all right cool you got the French Open all right we move on from the French Open how about real quick a football mini camps big dog I know you're a man who likes to uh put on the shorts and pads on occasion anything of interest with Chicago Bear mini camp going on uh basically all I hear is that Mike Mark is a genius and now the offense is going to be fantastic Mike Mark saying that uh, the wide receivers are so much better than everybody else said, and if as long as we can protect Jay Cutler, we'll win. The only problem is that might all be true, but uh, how are they going to protect Jay Cutler with the worst offensive line in football? That's that's an immediate put down to uh, Olin Krutz. No, Olin Krutz old. Robert. I like him though. He's not, he's not the problem. Roberto Garzo is an oft listener to this program. He's not happy uh, hearing those comments. Roberto Garba is on Espanol as hot garbage. <laughs> Easy now. Uh, he's one of my neighbors. And is I don't he really? Wanna, yeah, he is. He lives down the street. So he might be listening to this yeah, show, huh? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to get cold cocked walking okay. a dog or anything I'm like that. Oh, so. my goodness. I, I feel bad about that. I really do. <laughs> if we have a new producer on next uh, on Monday's show, Joel. David Olson will be missing. You know, you'll you'll be the one held responsible. Uh, <laughs> At least Jack, somebody will hold me. Real quick, Jack, you're a uh, love of the Chicago Bear, and as you head to the University of Missouri, don't you dare, don't you dare become a St. Louis Ram fan. I will never. Okay. Chicago Bears fan. Just heart. checking. Yeah, but you yeah. think uh, you you feeling good feelings about next year? Or? You know, I I don't want to make any predictions just because I thought okay. Jay Cutler was gonna be a lot better than he was. I mean, I thought Jay Cutler was probably. One of the best Bears quarterbacks I've seen in a while, you know. Offensive line didn't help. Running back didn't help. Throwing to no receivers didn't help. Wait, you are, you a, are you a Jake Cutler excuse, excuser? 
No, but you know, I I see where he's coming from. You know, I you I, could, I could do without the attitude. You know, him just you know being a huge you know uh-huh. Hollywood drama queen. But you know, I feel, you know, Mike Martz. You know, he's a kind of a offensive whiz, yeah. which is what I feel the Bears need. Because yeah. Lovey Smith is not an offensive whiz. No, and Ron Turner was uh, an offensive whiz. If you're coaching sixth grade flag football, it, very much. Yes. And even then, I think I could outcoach him. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I feel. You know, only you know. Time will tell. You know, they have to put up results. You know, they have to put up. They, they, you know, the last two games they put up mm-hmm. seventy points. So, Big dog, know. and I don't want to spend too much time on the Bears inside source. Won't reveal his name, but he's at the Bears minicamp. Mm-hmm. Not a player, but a guy who's been there and was there during the Ron Turner. And he says already, already, this is for real now. He can tell the difference between Mike Marks running the offense and Ron Turner, and it is on his attention to detail, the pace. The intensity of the practice, and what this guy just pointed out is his knowledge of the offense, way, way ahead of Ron Turner, inside source. Yeah, first of all, I do think it's going to be a, a great year for the Bears, and I, their defense is going to be much improved with their lack of playing all year, and, and Pepper's coming in, and, and plus now they have added Chester Taylor on offense, and I, I do think the wide receivers are a little better than than they should be because we finally do have uh, the pace of practice I like. I do like the fact that he's a mad scientist and all that. The only thing that I'm worried about Mike Martz is, he gets too cute for his own good. Yep. Instead, don't worry about your stats. Worry about what it takes that particular day to win a football game. And if if you win sixteen to thirteen, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. That's winning a football game. You did your job as an offensive coordinator. If you lose forty-one to thirty-eight, you didn't do your job as an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. That, that, that's uh, hopefully hopefully he's getting this as he moves on with his career. And, and Jack, I, I like the fact that he's like such a a great whiz and all that. But don't forget that this great whiz. In 2001, Marshall Falk was the best offensive football player around, period. I, you can argue that LT was a little better that year, possibly. But Marshall Falk, I thought, well, was the best player in football that year. And in the Super Bowl, he decided to use that man as a decoy. They lost that game. Yeah. All he had to do was start handing the ball off to Marshall Falk. Instead, they, they, they didn't do it. He only had five carries in the first half. Yeah. So Mike Marks, don't get cute. Don't have to prove to everybody that you can come up with these crazy offensive schemes and all these different <laughs> pass routes. All you got to do is possess the football, get first down, protect your quarterback, run the football, and hit big plays with your quarterback. That's what, the Bears need to turn back into running the football and throwing it deep downfield off a of play action for touchdown. I don't need seven foot, you know, seven step drops. Have Cutler sit back there for ten seconds and have somebody tee off on him. He's ended many, many. It took Court Warner four years to heal up after being the quarterback of Mike Mark. And Mark Bolger, I mean, that guy got stacked more than any quarterback I've ever seen, and he had a quick release. So he almost killed Alex Smith too when he was yeah. uh, off. Now you see why I like doing the show with this guy, uh, the big dog. We love you. Yeah, well, I just like everybody's loving Mike Mark, and I do agree he's better than Ron Turner. I want that stated. The Bears have upgraded their offensive coordinator mm-hmm. position. Yeah. I just hope this guy has learned from his past mistakes. Yeah. I don't want you to worry, but I think we just got an email from R. Garza. I'm not sure if that's the real one, but uh, I'll pass it on to you, big dog. Muy malo, coach. Muy malo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very quickly, a World Cup soccer. Titillating tidbits, news and notes off the main story in the world of sports. Jack Washer in with the coach today. Normal co-host, the big dog, checking in from parts unknown. Phone lines are open. Only a few minutes to join us, but uh, we can still take your phone calls. 888-463-6748. The beautiful, lovely, showing a lot of leg today. Producer David Olson will be answering the phone for you. And uh, real quick, Jack, World Cup soccer. I don't know if you're a soccer fan, if you've broken down the big opening match, U.S. and England, but uh, 
in a couple of days, uh, I think June 10th, June 11th, World yeah. Cup will be right upon us. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm a little, a little bit of a soccer fan. I've got, got a couple friends who have filled me in on what's going on. You know, I'm like the U.S. team. You know, I feel kind of bad for this Charlie Davies guy, a guy car accident. Eight months ago, working hard, and he got left off the preliminary yeah, roster. And I, I, felt... I feel bad for the soccer fans because they're not going to get to watch him. But uh, uh, you know, I'm a growing yeah. soccer fan, and watching them play a couple preliminary games. This guy had, he was a little bit of Starlin Castro. Yeah, he had style, he had charisma, he had excitement. wasn't their best player, but he right. made the U.S. team a little more special. We are going to miss that that extra bit of uh, zest that he added to the team. Right. Yeah. You know, and you know, I kind of watched, I think they were, I uh, forget what they were, it was like the Confederations Cup or something and they played in last year. The and, no, it's a Cup. Yeah. Cup. Yeah. But yeah. And, you know, you know, I saw him play with, you know, the best teams in the world, you know, play with Spain and Brazil and they beat Spain and we're up two nothing against Brazil. And I'm, Wow, this is a very different U.S. team. But you know. What would you say to Joel? Big Dog is very worried about Algiers. What would you say to the Big Dog? Is you it know, Algiers or Algeria we're playing? Uh, it's Algiers, Coach. <laughs> you know, I, no relation to Al Greer. <laughs> How about uh, – no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, uh, you know, I feel I feel they should be able to beat Algeria and uh, Slovenia pretty easily. But, you know, honestly, I just don't know enough about those two teams. But – you know, I feel the U.S. team, you know, the draw is, you know, set for them to go on past the first round. They just, you know, they have to, you know, if they could beat England, you know, tie England, that'd be mm-hmm. great. But, you know, I'm the Goalie, looking... by the way, Jack, uh, Tim Howard looks a little bit like you. So if he becomes famous and the U.S. gets on a run, you could walk the streets of the city of Chicago and uh, do quite well, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Assuming the goalie. worked for me telling people I was Brian Erlacher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, done, it's done well for me. Okay. Well, you might have a uh, a repeat of that particular segment. All right. How about the College World Series? Big deal. We've often talked about it. Starts, I believe, today. They're down to the final 32 teams, the uh, regional championship round. But we've talked about it. One of the most underrated events in all the sports, the College World Series. Uh, w- without a doubt, it is one of those. It's right now. It's they're going. There's 64 teams, coach. Okay. Is in uh, there's the, it's a typical favorite. You know, Texas is one of the top favorites in this LSU. Uh, basically, the top seven seeds were no problem. And it's, you want one of the top eight seeds, coaches, is basically the way it works. Mm-hmm. And uh, the top seven were no problem. There was a big deal who was going to get that eighth seed, and Georgia Tech uh, uh-huh. ended up – they got it, and they're going to end up playing uh, home games. But the, the other team that they were worried about is they're going to have to face Alabama, who they were battling for that AC. So, you know, instead of everybody complaining, oh, we deserve it, we deserve it, well, they put those two teams together. Alabama won the, the best bracket. Uh, Bama won the Southeast Conference Championship. I was watching that game against LSU. It went into extra innings. Or, no, it went to the bottom of the ninth on ESPN, just flipping around. This thing totally caught me. Great drama. Then there was a rainout. So I taped it. And I came back like the next day to watch the bottom of the ninth, and they they uh, proceed to tell me that the game will now be shown on ESPN four. And of course, my tape did not go to that. I didn't see the end of that. But did you watch the end? I did not. I did not catch so that. So Bama but... must have beaten. Uh, it was like the seventh and eighth seeds. But uh, I'm assuming my uh, Paul Stevens led Northwestern Wildcats big dog are not among the final sixty four. Uh, no, they did not make it, Coach. Hate to tell you, but uh, the Minnesota <laughs> Golden Gophers will be the Big Ten representative. Uh. And, uh, I mean, the Big Ten, great in almost every single 
sport that you name, and I know a lot of Big Ten hitters, what are you talking about? Besides uh, track and field and mm-hmm. besides baseball, the Big Ten is a dominant conference in a lot of a lot of sports, and uh, baseball is not yeah. one of them. Including so. lacrosse, by the way. All right, real quick, and I want to get to the NBA Finals as well. We haven't touched on that. Uh, the Belmont uh, third leg of the Triple Crown is coming up this weekend. Jack, on a scale of one to ten, your love for horse racing. I love- Feel free to say one. Uh, to just two. Cu- just because you know I I was to see maybe a triple crown possible at the Belmont, but you know yeah. unfortunately the Super Saver did not win the Preakness, so personally there's just no interest for me. Not only do we not have a triple crown, the winner of the Derby, not in the Belmont, the winner of the Preakness, not in the Belmont. I think David Olson, our producer, has carded up uh, some of the highlights from the pre-conference. Uh, Drawing at the pole position for the Belmont. I think you got the tape set. All right, here it is. Here's some of the highlights from the press conference previewing. Saturdays, 4 o'clock spectacular from New York. The third leg of the Triple Crown, the Belmont. Here it is. Play the tape. Okay. That was not, Jack, technical difficulty. That was the actual highlight. <laughs> Moving on to the next subject, Celtics and Lakers. we got a few minutes left. NBA Finals start tonight. I'm burned out on basketball. Which is hard to say because I love basketball. It's my favorite sport. I'm burned out trying to get excited, but uh, Celtics and Lakers, your thought? You know, uh, classic rivalry, you know, going all the way back to Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain and when I used to fight. And, you know, uh, personally, I like I liked the Celtics in this wow. one. I don't know why. Wow. I just Lakers, they haven't shown me anything, you know. Uh, Celtics, I actually thought, would be out in the first round. And here they are in the NBA Finals and looking better than ever and, Front page actually talks about the Bulls going to interview the assistant coach for yep. the. Uh, I like this guy. Yeah, I like him too. So, you know, I, I personally don't like anybody on the Celtics other than Ray Allen. Um, but you know, I feel they're just they're they're unstoppable right now. You know, mm-hmm. big dog. Uh, my memory, my short term memory, as you well know, is not very good these days. But did you also not predict yesterday? You thought the Celtics would win? Yeah, I mean. Uh, I agree with Jack. There's not many likable players on the Boston Celtics, but there's nothing wrong with taking the better defensive team. And I don't care what anybody says. The Celtics are a much defensive team than the, the Los Angeles Lakers. So that, I'll be more than happy to go with the Boston Celtics in six games with that position coach. Celtics did look a little tired at the end of the Orlando series. They've had time to rest. So the other side of the, and I'm with you guys. I, well, I'm, I don't know if I'm picking Boston. I'm rooting for Boston, but... There is a scenario where the Lakers have kind of been coasting, and now they turn it up, and the Celtics, once they get behind a little bit, age is going to set in, hey, we did a good job to get to the champ. There is a scenario where the Lakers could make a route of this thing, Big Dog. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I, that normally doesn't happen. That People talk about that before, like, oh, yeah, the, this one team is, is you know, they, they don't have the they don't have the legs. In the NBA Finals, when you wake up and you're like, hmm, I get to play for the world championship today, for some reason, ballers, guys that really, really play at a high level, for some reason are able to get up for those games. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be a factor. And, you know, let's face it, if the Lakers play better than the Celtics, somebody's going to say that's the reason. Uh, I, I just, I'm not going to believe it. If they beat the if the Lakers beat the Celtics, it's because they're a better team than them, not because okay. uh, the, the Celtics are tired or old or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because there's some old players on the Lakers, too, let's face it. 
Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. 888-463-674. You want to chime in? It starts tonight uh, from L.A., right? L.A. is yeah. the host team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Right. But you're picking the Celtics, even though the Lakers got the home court advantage. I am picking the Celtics. Interesting. There's only been one series in the history of NBA basketball that have had players with more postseason experience in it. Interesting. Think, the Lakers are pretty old, too, Coach. Kobe Bryant's been in the NBA since 1996. Okay, that's a lot of NBA basketball. And it's like Derek Fisher. Seriously, you, you when you were talking about Bill Russell and, and Jerry West, you forgot <laughs> the Derek Fisher uh, because I think he was on those teams too. All right, yeah. I mean, this is some old. This, these are two old teams. Only the 1998 Utah Jazz Chicago Bulls NBA Finals had more had more uh, playoff experience combined on the two teams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. coach, if the if the Celtics do get run off the court. Don't blame it on age. That's, that's a pretty good point. Pretty good point. When you're playing for the NBA Finals, you uh, throw tired legs out the window. You can rest later. And they have had four or five days to rest. So it'll be an interesting matchup. Game one at L.A. tonight. And, uh, Jack, while we're on NBA basketball, Chicago Bulls have bounced around a lot of different coaches. They said they would take their time. They are indeed taking their time. They get a little flack for it. But your thoughts, uh, and I am available, by the way, if I'm one of your yeah. top five choices, but who are some of the guys you'd like to see coaching your beloved bull? Well, Assuming yeah. they are your beloved bull. Yes, I I, I was a big full fan. You know, I feel you're you're number one on John, uh, number one on John Paxson. Be happy list, with you know? I mean I, I, I want to, on your list. I don't oh, care about Paxson. Oh, 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 my list. You're of course your number one. But you know, I feel you know Tom. I was I was going to say I was close to number two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know Tom Thibodeau. You know, apparently great defensive mind. So. Going after him, which is I feel you know they need they definitely need that because you know you got Derrick Rose who lights up that offense and I feel is a spark to this franchise. You know I thought they would go possibly after Byron Scott, maybe Avery Johnson. They haven't expressed interest at all. Phil Jackson, there was that rumor for about you know twelve hours that mm-hmm. he might come back to Chicago. That got turned down quickly. But feels like this Thibodeau guy is the um, you know. He's the guy they want, and they're going to pursue him. They apparently go him before the NBA Finals to go interview him. So. He, the little bit I know about him, he seems pretty impressive. Big Dog, let's forget about names, but let's uh, tell me a personality. I think that's a key. What type of coach do the Bulls team need now? Let's say they don't get LeBron, but they do get a Joe Johnson, a Stoudemire, a Bosch. So they bring in one more player, and they're close. Young team. On the verge, but knowing the personalities on the current team, what type of coach do you think is going to be most effective with this ball club? Well, before you threw the caveat in there of like who they were going to play with yep. and they weren't going to get LeBron, mm-hmm. my point was going to be they need somebody that's in LeBron's uh, pocket. Okay, that's what they needed. Okay, that's our personality, a guy that hangs out with LeBron James. So now that the fact that if you want somebody that if they get Joe Johnson – well, yeah. they Joe Johnson, they need somebody who's a comedian that can tell a lot of jokes because this team's going to lose interest because they're not going to <laughs> they're not going to win an NBA championship. All right, well, let's remember the guy they're bringing in is a, is not going to be the superstar. We do have Derek Rose, Luol Deng, uh, Joe Kim Noah, Taj Gibson, and don't forget my guy, a potential future NBA superstar, Gennaro Pargo, hopes to come back. You know that that it's a tough call because it really depends on who they sign as a free agent. Who I want the, the Bulls to bring in as a head coach. And and uh, everyone's oh you got to get it filled you got to get it filled no I have no problem with them waiting on a head coach until after they sign uh, their particular okay. free agent uh, let's, let's, I have no problem with that let's whatsoever. say they get Chris Bosh who's not yeah, a is, dynamic person now very good player 
but not an overpowering personality. So now look at the Bulls team and their makeup, and and tell me what type of coach would the okay, Bulls I need? would want I would want Avery Johnson because Avery Johnson is definitely the leader. He's a little general. Okay. Okay. He would. He's a little bit more uh, bombastic, a little bit more in your face uh, of a coach. He might not appear that way because he's such a gentleman off the court, but when he was the coach of the Dallas Mavericks, he didn't take any crap. Yes. When he was the, when he was the point guard for the uh, San Antonio Spurs, he didn't take any crap. So if it's Chris Bosh, I, I would love to have a point guard to teach Derrick Rose and then the little general to crack the whip on everybody. You don't think, okay? Jack, a, a disciplinary in the day and age of current pro athletes might be kind of cool for a couple of months, but what about year two? Does that start to wear on some of the – current mentality of the pro athletes? Well, I don't really feel the Bulls need discipline right now. You know, I feel, I mean, I, this is just my gut feeling. LeBron James comes to the Bulls. They're going to win a championship. I honestly He's don't overrated. see. <laughs> I honestly don't see anybody stopping this team. You know, you you just look at, you know, look at their li- what their lineup would be. Him, uh, Rose, Noah, Gibson, and then you say, wow, I have to pick between Dang and Heinrich. Wow. that I mean, the fact that you have to do that, in my opinion, you know, LeBron will make everybody, every one of those guys, ten times better, especially Derrick Rose, you know. I feel, you know, Rose needs a ball in his hand maybe to be better, but, you know, I feel if LeBron's on your team, I mean, I mean, guys would double-team Rose every time Joe Kim Noah would set a pick for him. You know, let me just present devil's advocate to that. Are we, big dog, building up our Chicago Bulls too much? Everybody said if LeBron comes, we're a championship team, we're so much better, you got to leave the Cavaliers and come to the Bulls well. All right, Derrick Rose, I don't think the Cavs have anyone to match up with him, but Mo Williams is not bad. No. But separating the Derrick Rose factor, Antoine Jameson, Luol Deng, same and, thing. Uh, and, and Antoine Jameson is a numbers guy, Coach. Well, That's but, all he is. But he's, he's pretty equivalent to Luol Deng. True. Okay, okay. Um, there you go. They don't have anybody like Taj Gibson. Don't, uh, Anderson Verajao is not Taj Gibson. Well, I was going to yeah. compare Anderson Verajao to Joakim Noah. No. Well, that would be even worse. At that point, we're not. We're no, not. And I love Joe Kim, and I love his enthusiasm. We're not overrating the skill you take level LeBron of LeBron James off of the Cavs, and you compare the Cavs and the Bulls. The yes. Bulls are a much, much superior team. I do appreciate what you're saying. Maybe they're not as good as everybody else is there, but they are a much, much superior team. Mm-hmm. Much superior team, coach. Yeah, and if you would, can I just throw in one thing? If they do get LeBron James, I want Byron Scott to be the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Why? Byron Scott was a role player around a bunch of superstars. So he could be the coach that knows how to handle the role players and the superstars. Because when you played for the Lakers, you had three legitimate superstars on that team. Kareem, James Worthy, and a guy by the name of Magic Johnson. Okay, you know, so that's... Overrated. able to deal with that. (laughs) All right, that's a great point, Big Doug. Great insight, great point. J.W., Jack Washer, uh... Graduating New Trier High School. Big dog, real quick, at about a minute left, and I want to give Jack a, a minute, a couple of minutes to wrap things up. But, Big Dog, your advice, you're a little younger than I am, to Jack as he heads off to college. Remember, we are on a family sports talk show, but what would you say to young Jack uh, hoping to make a career in sports talk radio and hoping to uh, date a few co-eds at the University of Missouri? Okay, the only, the only advice I have on your sports career is if you want to get into it, start blogging and learn to write. Seriously, learn to write. And if you can write, everything else will happen to you a lot easier afterwards. I promise you that. Now, that's this, now that's stuff I'm just guessing on. Okay. So the <laughs> stuff that I know for certain is, is this. Uh, don't date the first girl that you meet at Missouri. Okay. Any girl you really like, 
Don't Act Like You Like Her a lot. So that's worked for me really well recently. And then the other <laughs> one is, without a doubt, on October 31st, when they have those Mizzou party Halloween days, which, my brother, you are going to enjoy thoroughly. <laughs> Do not use your own couch outside. Use somebody else's. That's, that's the number one, okay? Because that couch is ruined forever. You'll have to get another couch oh, next year. Man. I don't care if you're hanging out with yeah. seniors. You tell the senior to go very, get couch. Very, very okay. tough to call up your parents and tell them you needed money for another couch. And you try to explain that one away. Oh, <laughs> All right, good advice. Jack, uh, any other items we did not get to that uh, you want to bring up? I got nothing. All right. Uh, Are you willing to come back with us here? We didn't. I am willing to come back anytime. Jack, if you're willing to come back, just something I got to tell you. Don't ever say you got nothing. Just make something up. Coach won't know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, spoken like the truth. Jack, thank you so much for coming, and we will definitely get you back before the summertime is over. Are you, uh, what you doing this summer if any females want to track you down? Working, you know, working at North Shore Soccer more. Uh, All right. Yeah. So they can stop in there. Yeah. Beautiful. So. Buy a soccer ball, get a pair of shin guards, and yeah. uh, and meet a top-quality salesman. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Jack. Big Dog, we'll talk to you tomorrow. David Olson, our producer. Great job, as always. We appreciate everybody listening. We'll do it again at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Have a great day. TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. Signing off.